I woke up feeling like fucking lost some paper. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Sorry, I just had to play some future. I got really excited today. Uh, it's a good day. It's, uh, we haven't met in a while. This is Unsolicited Advice Podcast, uh, the only podcast where we have advice in our title and hardly give any. Um, it's this new thing we do. Anyway, I'm with my host, Evan August. How's everybody doing? What's up? It's been a while. It's been a while. In our third, all right, our third chair is empty. It's gonna be a revolving third chair. I think that's that's how it's gonna work for <laughs> now. Much. On. We're making some changes. Shout out, Victoria. Contracts are up. <laughs> it's uh, a free agency. So in our third chair today is the wonderful Alana. Alana. Isola. Alana Isola. Isola. Yes. Hi. Works at Business Insider doing videos. I do. I am the assistant video producer at Dope. Insider. Dope. No, like. Tell people, what does that entail? Like, what do you do on, like, a day-to-day? So, basically, my day consists of surfing the internet. Um, I do that. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, Reddit. I find people doing awesome things and living. All right, living. so, like, what's your job, though? My, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're all about, like, basically that life is an adventure, and we find people who, instead of living, instead of having life kind of happen to them, they kind of, like, take on life. Um and they, whether they are expert cooks and they are making really cool, funky cakes, or if they're going on elaborate travel adventures and they're jumping off cliffs, um, we find those people and we bring them to light and we write a story about them. And that is Insider. Wait, so it's called Business Insider. So Okay, so Business Insider is like the conglomerate. So under yeah. Business Insider, there's... Um, BI, which is Business Insider. Mm-hmm. There's also Tech Insider, which covers more technology-related um, news. And then there's Insider, which covers more um, human interest stories, kind of like what I was saying, um, travel stories, food stories. I think we just recently launched a science page. So we kind of cover everything that's not business-related, <laughs> pretty much. So we cover everything else. No, got it. We've, I've definitely been there to find answers to random uh, questions. Yeah, I have no idea. Crazy. I remember we were having an argument at the table, uh, at the dinner table. I think it was about, I don't know, some, maybe some something about police or something like that. I remember I Googled the story, and the first thing that came up was one of your, the videos that you had edited, actually. Yep. Like, by Alani. I was like, ah, oh, this... So you know what's right. So important. You know that you went to the right place. <laughs> Dang. Um, probably get this out the way later, but just in case you do, you have a Twitter, you have social media. Yes. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. My account is verified, and it's <laughs> <laughs> Alana, <laughs> Alana M Isola. Um, and uh, yeah, and then my Instagram is Alana underscore Isola. So that's not verified yet, but I'm waiting on it. Oh, oh no. shit, you got yeah. shit pending. Yeah, um, right? <laughs> yeah, so everyone listening, obviously, follow Alana. Um, she puts that. out great shit. Uh, Do that. Do it. <laughs> no, so first question, Evan kind of joked about it. Like, when you tell people about your job and people see what you do in terms of like surfing the web and everything, it seems kind of like easy. It seems like, oh, I do this on the... I, it's literally low-key like, the most stressful shit ever. <laughs> because, um, because we put out so many great videos and... All of our videos are actually now, I think we're over, I think 1.6 billion views a month. Crazy. Um, we are super like overloaded and trying to find the next big story. So there's times where our staff is like scouring for stories and we're like rushing to pitch them because we all are kind of now looking at similar like locations to find those hidden gems. Mm-hmm. So 
it might seem like we're just, you know, oh, you're just scrolling through the web. You're just on Facebook all day. That's not a real job. It <laughs> is because it's really hard to find these people. And then once you find them, you have to reach out and give permission. So Insider is like really big on making sure that everyone is attributed and we don't just rip people's shit and Yeah, run no, with definitely. It. Like Ty Reese Gibson. He just copies everyone's oh, he, he does. effing Facebook. I mean, it's so cheap. It's not I mean, fair. Celebrities, Great follow, though. Yeah, celebrity Facebooks aren't really, they don't own them. They no. just, they, they license their names so that other companies can share their, like, clickbaity stories and they get money from that. That's, mm-hmm. that's, like, how they make it. That's why you look at, like, certain celebrities and you're like, oh, Nicki Minaj is, keeps posting, like, articles from, like, A yeah. Plus or or earthly or like one of those other like random pages and you're like wow Nicki Minaj just like looks on Facebook no Nicki Minaj is living her fucking life and she's like and somebody else manages name. oh yeah. crazy like that's how it works freaking George Lopez I'm gonna unfollow him right now I've <laughs> just followed him like some fake years crap. after the George Lopez show and all he posts is like hair products yes yeah. I mean yeah. they probably like pop in now and then to say hey I got like my new single out I'm a real person hey, and Yo, then I'm gonna I've go never away been again. more betrayed than yeah. right now yeah, it's Damn. all a lie. <laughs> um, I had something really interesting to say, and then while I you're thinking about it, yeah, go ahead. So you are, <laughs> no, so you are a, a black woman. Yes. So. Oh shit! <laughs> wow. For the people listening that might not know, um, so ha- having that, you know, doing that in a in a specific you know environment like a business insider where you have like a lot of responsibility. And the opportunity to bring certain stories and a certain focus, you know, to certain people. Uh, what What is that like? You know, do you feel like you have an extra responsibility? And if I, so, like, how do you, you know, I definitely that? do think um, I have an extra responsibility. I'm lucky in that my newsroom is pretty diverse because de- I have interned in other newsrooms that weren't as like diverse. And it was it was pretty much all older white men and insider and business insider as a whole is like mostly young people and they're mostly like open-minded and they're really open to like hearing new stories and hearing other perspectives um no matter where they come from but at the end of the day like media in general is extremely like (laughs) non-diverse um so as a black woman who is working in media and journalism in general I feel like I do have that extra responsibility to kind of maybe search for those like hidden gems that are of color just so that they get noticed more. But at the end of the day, it's, it's difficult. Like it's, it's like one of the most frustrating things when I, I see a story that I think would do well, but I'm sometimes hesitant on pitching it because I don't know if our target audience will like it, or I don't know if the widespread world would want it. And that's my own personal problem that I'm trying to like, get the strength to like promote certain stories. Um, but my bosses are like really open and really cool. And they'll probably like ask for um, more information on certain things or like, okay, well, do you have any more footage? They'll ask for it to try to make the story work. But at the end of the day, if the story doesn't work, we can't run with it. So I do try to look out for more and try to get more like visibility and making sure I'm not like appropriating any other cultures or anything like that. But Mm -hmm. it is hard at the end of the day. Yes. (laughs) That's actually really interesting because um, you guys did have that mini uh, fiasco a little bit ago. I don't <laughs> know if you saw that video. No, please go on. Oh, um, <laughs> I sent it to you, too. Go ahead. Just go people. ahead. You sent me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they have that, I think it was like the chopped cheese <laughs> oh, uh, oh. video. We're, Wait, we're you shared here. that? Yeah. No, so, yeah, Wait, so like, wow. Insider shared it. Yeah, yeah, Insider shared it, and this guy went off. Yeah, so 
basically we had released a story um one of our reporters who's like super cool and super chill um I guess she went out and we do a lot of food stories and we did this one particular story on chopped cheese or people who aren't. Oh, you were on the other end of it. I yeah. wasn't. I, was, <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. No, no, no. I was just not personally involved in this project. Um, but <laughs> quick aside. <laughs> um, I guess for people who are listening who aren't from the New York Harlem area, it's um, it's a very like popular thing you can pick up in inner cities and like just from your corner store and everything like that. Um, and I guess she went in and I guess said some things that a, tr- a true Harlemite did not approve of. And she was white and he felt that she was impeding on. <laughs> she felt Do you know how to use Snapchat? I'm, I'm, I'm making He's mistakes. very bad at Snapchat. I'm making mistakes. All right, man. I'm um, messing up. No, but <laughs> continue, please. Sorry. So she went in and kind of like oversimplified what the chopped cheese was, I guess, according to, the guy, this YouTuber who like went off on insider food in general. Uh-huh. Um, and you know what? It hurt. Um, at first, a couple of us saw it and it wasn't really getting much traction. Then it kind of blew up. His his um, reaction video kind of blew up. But at the end of the day, it was such a learning experience for everyone on board. It was the perfect opportunity for a lot of the people I worked with um, to just kind of dust it under the rug. But like, we talked about it. We like have meetings. We're open about it. And they we all kind of talked and came to the assumption that, you know what, we as a team have to just do better. And it's not just this incident. I personally have made mistakes where um, I may have like attributed something to a specific person where it's been alive and well in a different culture. Like I've, I think I've done that recently. I was looking at the comments and it's it's something that when you're in a media position where we're all like trying to get the best content out and showcase like the beauty of the world and the adventures of the world. Sometimes we need to take a step back and make sure of where those sources are coming from. And I think that because we're such a new company, like all companies, sometimes like stories slip through the cracks, like every other media company. But like, I feel like now that that happened, we are much more like aware of like, wait, guys, like, let's just make sure that it came from this place. Like, <laughs> let's just make sure that this is a thing and this isn't like a one time thing. And we like really like take our time with it. So I think, yes, it was it was hard to see that and especially see a lot of my friends like share the reaction video and say, Alana, don't you work here? And I have to be like, oh, yeah, you have like, to be the you know, uh, um, arbiter of black like, people. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like the spokesperson, of course. And it's just hard because when things happen and slip through the cracks, even even in like other divisions on Business Insider, other divisions on any other place, it's like, Alana, you're in the media. Why did you let this happen? Like, you know, you know what the funny thing is, uh, Evan and I have talked about this, that like the key is if you do step on these proverbial like PC grenades or just yeah. appropriation grenades like that. that it's not to get offended. It's like to learn from it. And yeah. that sounds like what you guys did. Yeah. And even in your description of it, it sounds like obviously someone's able to make the super academic argument as to like why like this is insensitive and blah, blah, blah. But we're, we're talking about a sandwich. <laughs> At the end of the day, it was a sandwich. And um, but it's always good to like, even though like you might not think it's important. No, exactly. It's, yeah. it's going to be important to someone. And it's always like necessary to like listen to feedback. And if it's warranted, which I guess in this case, we decided that. You know, we're going to make an effort to be more culturally sensitive Uh when we cover our things that it was worth it. So it was a very great learning experience, I guess, for all of them, especially myself. Uh That's fantastic. So you definitely think that, you know, a video like that had a 
a positive impact on like people in that that work with you and you know yeah that run the that run that um i think it's important that's why it's so important to have diversity in newsrooms and the fact i believe um you can edit this if it's uh, incorrect but over 90 percent of newsrooms are run by white men Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to edit that even if it's not true yeah it's, it's <laughs> something like that or higher it's it's like a really crazy statistic so you need like people not just black people but like Asian people you know different religions you need people like speaking up and saying you know hey um, I saw this story and I disagree and not being afraid to like say that so when this discussion happened, even though I wasn't directly involved in the video, I did like say like, Hey, I can kind of see the perspective of the other person. Mm -hmm. Um, and they said, and they respected that. And that's why I like, I don't know. I really feel like I'm in a, a unicorn company that really like listens to their people. So, um, yeah, it, it happened, but we learned from it and we got stronger. (laughs) We are stronger than yesterday. No, that's dope. That sounds so, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> and in addition to that, I feel like they are also giving you the opportunity to uh, pitch a lot of your own, you know, stories and your own, some of your own projects. Yeah. I don't know how much of those you're allowed to talk about, yeah. but if you want to share some of those that I you're working on. I can share a few, not all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even, okay, so I started at uh, Business Insider as an intern and I'm thinking I'm just going to, you know, fetch coffee or whatever like that. But that internship was basically like a full-time job. Like I was expected to pitch stories. Um, and I, I did like, I think one of the first stories that I pitched was actually about like a natural hair vlogger. And I'm like, they're never going to go for this. It's like, they're not going to understand like why this is an important story. And they let me go with it. And I got to interview like my favorite natural hair person ever on YouTube, <laughs> which at that time that was like the biggest like quote unquote celebrity that I've ever interviewed. Who's so that? Who's that? It was um Natural eighty five. Natural eighty five. Also known as Whitney White on YouTube. Whitney White. Um, it's she's like down. Yeah. she's a legend actually. She's a legend. Sounds like a great power forward in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> she's everything. Um, but yeah, I got to interview her and that was really cool. And then from there, that article blew up and I didn't expect it to blow up. It was like Ooh. my first like writing piece, even though I didn't really want to be a writer. I wanted to do video. Um, but oh, I'm sorry. What was the question? <laughs> no. So yeah. They, so they let you. Oh yeah. Um, they let me do my own story. Yeah. Okay. They, um, yeah. They are basically, they describe this job as kind of entrepreneurial so like you kind of are running your own show like if there's a story that you think is good um you pitch it and if your editor doesn't think it's good and you really think it's good you keep pitching it and you find um ways to convince him to let you do your story Mm -hmm. um so right now we are dabbling in um a couple of like ideas for like long form uh video right now because we are expanding into like youtube area we're like really big on facebook but we're trying to expand into other areas um i pitched a show well the name i didn't pitch the name but the show is basically called pin busters where we take like recipes from pinterest and we try to see if they actually like turn out as good as they seem and well why are you shaking your head because it's so i watched the pilot everybody listening you can go watch the pilot you can watch it now she li- it's crazy that she's just she she's just like next to the chef. See her show is 
let me have somebody else cook food for me and i judge it and react yes. you know, yeah you know yeah wow and it's all real because like they told me like i found out what we were making when we got in there and it was like i think cauliflower grilled cheese and i am not a fan of cauliflower at all cauliflower i'm like i like cauliflower <laughs> i was like to my producer like do i pretend i like cauliflower for this and it's just like he's like no like be yourself and i'm like okay and i'd said right there like in the first line like we're making cauliflower grilled cheese i freaking hate cauliflower just so y'all know <laughs> oh, someone probably like yo she's bougie <laughs> yo she don't like cauliflower <laughs> and then no people were really mad because i called it a broccoli rejection and then everyone was like how dare you call it a broccoli rejection like wait what's comments. a broccoli re- rejection that like, sounds like, awesome like if it was like they had like all this beautiful broccoli and then there was just like this one like deformed piece of broccoli and they're like we can't sell this like oh yeah no it's just definitely toss a it broccoli reject it's just like just throw it in the garbage and then someone's like wait maybe we can sell it and just call it something else <laughs> and then that's how cauliflower was born but yeah so that was the show um we did one episode so far so uh if people like it and we get more views maybe we can do more in the future but we'll see and there's some other things in the works that we're working on but um i guess my next big i guess project is um i'm going to afropunk where Crazy. i'm taking over our stu- our snapchat and um covering all the cool like afrocentric fashion um music and um, all that cool stuff. And that's going to be crazy. They have like, I think Ice Cube, uh, Saul Williams, Janelle Monet, right? Yep. Like a lot of dope artists going to be. Uh, yep. um, not MIA. Not MIA. No, 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 not in this one. Um, she's MIA. Um, <laughs> um, and also the internet is going to be there too. Ooh. Oh, word. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler Crater's going too. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. That's so insane. They got all the like people from Odd Future except Frank Ocean basically like all the most successful people is it a statement huh is it a statement i don't know i'm he doesn't exist and it's really doesn't he probably said something the illuminati didn't like (laughs) his body got snatched and now they're trying to like grow his clone that's why his album hasn't been out no because they actually just had one of the Mm -hmm. (laughs) they had that live stream of him like woodworking for like five hours instead of giving (laughs) us his album but listen, do what he's gonna do whatever he wants to do. That's besides the fact. I did want to ask. Um, you actually said something really interesting. I thought about how the commenters kind of. This is true. This is fair. <laughs> um, about how the commenters kind of get on you yeah. on certain videos. What is that like? You know, because comments, especially like Facebook and YouTube, it's uh, so to get like funny. Um, I've only been like out of like probably the hundreds and hundreds of videos I've edited. I've only appeared in a couple of them. Mm -hmm. And when I do, um, (laughs) I try not to look at the comments. I think one user told me that I pronounce cauliflower weird and I don't know how to pronounce cauliflower the correct way. But I think I'm doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we'll get a white guy in there next week. Yeah, we'll, I don't know. We'll have I him don't, say it a bunch of times. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> get I don't right. know. Um, a lot of them just, they just say nasty things. It's really easy. And I have my own YouTube channel, so I see it from that angle as well. And people just love to go behind the computer screen and write because they it's so easy to make a comment on someone's video that they like slaved over. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. they don't know any of the work behind. And at that point, at first it bothered me and I'm like, oh my God, people don't like me. Like when I first appeared in a video and then I realized like they don't know me and they don't even know how to do any of the shit I'm doing. And they're probably like on Facebook and not getting paid for being on Facebook. Bang. So, Word. <laughs> so, mic drop. <laughs> don't drop my mic. I'll pay for those. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just kind of like let the haters hate. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. 
but it's really, it's crazy because you really do see like the the lowest parts of human beings when you look at you just check like facebook comments like not individuals but as a whole you just see like just so much like deep rooted patriarchy and racism and any every type of it's everything like, especially since you're visual now too yeah, yeah. it's like oh it's a walking <laughs> I, target <laughs> i mean we are a media company and um we allow like people to comment the way that they feel but we do kind of like censor hate speech oh yeah so that we do go in and like if there's comments that are a, a like ridiculously like racist or like really harsh and sexist yeah we do take those down because while we do promote free speech and like feedback there's a there's a cross there's like a limit to Mm -hmm. to from that to like blatant hate speech that are like that could really damage a person if they saw it time we've no control if the sky is pink and white if the ground is black and yellow it's the same way you showed me you guys listen to any new music lately anything anything i've been listening to schoolboy q's album is crazy which one's that called blank face blank face yeah all right cool it's actually crazy that i heard he's like the perfect rapper like if you had like twenty like attribute points, you'd like it'd be spread around <laughs> evenly. He's kind of like a like he's like a hook guy. He could do a verse. He could do no, yeah. And his album's pretty much like that. It's it's just like really good songs. It's not too deep, but it's like deep enough. You know, <laughs> his songs aren't all hits, but they're hits enough where you could just like put it on repeat. So that's crazy. Anderson Pack's obviously dope. Um, yeah. Who, who you listen to? Honestly. The real answer is I've literally just been listening to Lemonade since it came. <laughs> wow! No, that's some that's some real shit. I'm sorry, I, you, I could try to sound really cool and like know people, but honestly, no, you're about that life. <laughs> I only listen to Lemonade since it came out. So you think that puts you in like the top percentile of like Beyonce fan? Because you know, there's a lot of women who talked about Lemonade. No. I don't hear it as much. Yeah. They, they swear by the concert, obviously, but no, I saw, they listen to the album still. I saw the concert. I experienced Lemonade in all of its forms. I sat there and watched the, the Lemonade movie like multiple times. Wow. Like, because it's a, it's like a visual album in the truest sense. Like, I think it's long though. That's like Superman, Batman. Like, that thing is long as hell. Over an hour, hour and 11 minutes. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. All right. So, you have any insight into the future of Beyonce? And Jay Z, I'm. I hate that. Not the you know, it's her thing, but I'm gonna throw Jay Z in there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what are your three epiphanies from seeing that documentary six times? Um, what do you see for them, that family? Actually, okay, so the first epiphany I saw was kind of like the reception actually of the album, and that people were so focused on trying to figure out who Becky was that they missed the entire point of like that song. And how Becky isn't a real person, and it's all of you. seventy percent of you. Beyonce's an artist. It was she was telling a story. Becky doesn't exist. Jay Z's not that stupid to cheat on her. Like, yeah. and for her to write a song about it and still be with know. her, you never know. You never yeah. know. She, Beyonce would not be with him. Jay Z also the, wrote the, Big Pimpin'. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying. exactly. <laughs> like, uh, case in point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the other one is just like the art, the artistry. It's kind of like the evolution of Beyonce. Like when Beyonce first went solo, she was like, you know, radio hit, radio hit, radio hit. And that was what she was known for. But now she's kind of like evolved as an artist to create an actual like thing piece. And it was almost like a bit of found poetry in terms of she took bits and pieces of like actual like 
black artists of uh, of all kinds, whether mm-hmm. it be like the visual art or like the, the dialogues um, and the the bridges she had between her songs that were from Af- African American poets, um, and was able to bring that to light and create something from all of the aspects of her blackness and her femininity and create that. It was it was beautiful. Damn. I think it was a masterpiece. <laughs> So that's why she's been listening to nothing but lemonade. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I'm basic. I know, but like, literally. No, no, that was the yeah, <laughs> the opposite of basic. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, a good reason. I was gonna have fun with it. I don't want to have fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, isn't it kind of like uh, it's like it's profitable to be like unapologetically uh, black right now for, for some of the for some of these artists like a Beyonce that was a profitable like solid move for her. And it's not even Beyonce right now. It's like it's. 2016 was like the year of, of black girl magic like yeah it was like um, amandala like she let's be honest like she really didn't do anything like out in the media since hunger games but yeah. she was able to use like appropriation make a youtube video and like catapulted her career up like tenfold <laughs> if if she was to stop and speak out the way she did like 10 years ago her career would have been over it's a wrap. over but now that like with like the black lives matter movement with all of this like new the new 60s now coming into like apparition it's cool to speak out about being black and i feel like our generation before us um like the the people who like grew up in high school and middle school um in the 2000s early 2000s we're not really like not all of us are fully ready to like speak out besides like a tweet or a Facebook post, so but like true. really mm. actually go out and speak out and, and may even put your like career on the line. But mm-hmm. now um, more and more people are starting to do that. They're starting to like, quote unquote, get woke and mm-hmm. like not be afraid of it. Like there, are t- I have conversations with my white friends about like the black experience. And I don't think I would have been that comfortable a few years ago. Maybe it's because I've, I've grown up and I've become more comfortable with my blackness or maybe it's because I now live in a society where it's praised to speak up amongst my community members. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still like, it's still like looked down upon by like some members of society, but now I have a very like positive outlook and I think that it's, it's welcomed or at least tolerated in ways that it hasn't ever been before. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, how much of it do you think is like, as you grow older, I'm thinking this like right now, like as you grow older, you kind of, you know, attract, you know, like minded people. You go to college, you come across other, you know, people that might have had similar experiences to you and you attract and form, you know, you know, friendships and, you know, these groups where you could talk, you know, about these issues with people that understand, you know, it allows you to develop your own lexicon and uh, more functionally, you know, explain your experience Um, versus, you know, when you're first growing up, one, you don't obviously don't have the, you know, or the the wealth of experience to discuss the issues but also you're in high school or in middle school with these people that also have have radically different experiences are growing up with like parents that have radically different experiences i know for example i kind of feel the same as you like right now i could talk about these issues like no problem it's, it's very easy but the people that i feel might might have a problem with talk i might have a problem with talking about it i don't i don't see them anymore since i graduated high school since i graduated middle school, I, don't, I don't even know where they are you know so i'm wondering how much of it's like I know for a fact that there's some people from high school, some people from middle school I could run across. And if I would try to discuss these issues, there would be like a, you know, it wouldn't go anywhere. So I don't know. It, yeah. It's, it's interesting. We know. went to school together, Evan. You didn't have it that bad. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. It, it's, I think 
especially like because we went to the same high school. Like, we did go to the same high school. Yeah, and middle school and elementary school. Like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. TMI, TMI. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but like, no, but we're we're saying like where we grew up. We grew up in an area where I don't know about Evan personally, but me personally, when I did start to excel in school, I would get called acting white by like the few black people that were in the school. Yeah, of course. And then Guilty. when I went on the first day of um, school in my AP biology class, my AP biology teacher looked at me like I was in the wrong place and asked me if I was in the right place. Cause I was sitting in the front row. Yeah. And that's in that, AP biology. That's that crazy dichotomy. So yeah. it's like, could I have not, obviously not all the black people that went to my school. Um, but there were quite a few that had a certain mindset of how I was supposed to act based on my race and based on my, my gender. And I don't think I could formulate those conversations, those heightened conversations with them if I wanted to. So when I went to college, it was like, okay, a lot of the people who I'm referring to that did not want to have those conversations did not go to college or did not go to the colleges like away or they, they went to trade school, which is not a bad thing. Like do you, like everyone is made to do something. But when I went, um, when I finally like left that, like bubble that I was in, I was able to communicate with people who were from different walks of life. Like I went to school in a very um, affluent area for African-Americans. It's um, Prince George's County, where I think it's like the most affluent community for African-Americans in the country. So like I heard experiences of like wealth and I've also heard experiences from like people who are from like um, rough areas of Baltimore. So I had that mix and I understood like the different elements of what black is and how it isn't defined. And it was, I was able to like find my own comfort and solace in that. Yeah. Also like, I'm happy you brought that up. That's a really interesting um, topic, the acting white. Cause I, I know it was, I think it was popularized maybe, I want to say like in the eighties or the nineties by, I know it was, uh, I think it was a Nigerian. Oh my God. Uh, sociologist. Maybe sociologist professor right or something. Um, <laughs> Something to that effect. He, I think he popularized the term um, in, in academia, at least. And he ascribed it in to black people calling black people acting white as a way to devalue education and things like that. Uh, you mentioned that like for your experience, you saw it, it came a lot from, um, you know, a lot of your black friends. I know for me in the class I was at, I got it a lot from like the Asians and the white people. So. That, that always rubbed me the wrong way where like acting white was almost put expl- ex- like exclusively onto black people as a way that they like hinder or and pro- provide more hurdles to other black people. When I know for a fact that from my personal experience, I know I experienced more of that from uh, people that didn't identify and weren't, weren't black. Um, I think it's more of like a, like a, like a national problem where black blackness is seen as anti-intellectualism is associated with blackness. And I think that's like a national problem. It's not just like a problem of black people that they put onto other black people. You know, that, that was my experience. I remember I, um, that was very hard for me as well. You know, you're, you're in the AP classes and you know, my experience, I remember like, there was an English class one time where I, I wrote a paper and the teacher didn't expect it to be as nearly as good as it was. And I didn't even get a, like a good grade on it. Like she gave me a B plus. She, she gave me a B plus but then she brought me over and said, like, who did you plagiarize this from? Like, who did you take this paper from? I was like, not only did you think I stole this, you think I had to steal to get a B plus? You couldn't even give me, like, an A plus? Like, I'm stealing B plus material? I was so upset. Was there, like, a third of you that was, like, really happy that you thought that, though? Like, kind of like <laughs> F you? No, I would have been, I would have, maybe if it had been, she gave me an A plus, but she gave uh-huh. me, 
a B plus and said I stole it. I was like, yo, I had a counselor. Come on. Who, I had a counselor who um basically and I was doing well in school. I did well in high school. Um, and she she was not the best counselor for me. I would ask her, you know, I would make meetings with her and ask her, hey, can you look over my college application letter because you're my counselor? And she like shunned me away once because there was a teacher, another teacher in her office, like gossiping or crying about something and basically said that my education and her job wasn't as important. She also told me not to apply to the college I went to because she said it was a quote unquote reach. And then I should apply to um, the community school in my area. Mm -hmm. um, and to the, the fact that I didn't even get waitlisted when I did apply. And I was actually like invited to like one of their like elite membership programs um, limited enrollment program, which was their journalism program. I went back to her and, and I kind of wanted to rub it in her face, but she just <laughs> kind of like looked at me and didn't want to say anything. So I think when you, everyone expects you to fail and when you don't, that makes them uncomfortable. And there's two ways that you can act when you're uncomfortable. You can, you can act like it's like you're a Cinderella story and that you beat the system and it's proof that racism does not exist anymore and then you can sleep soundly knowing you don't have to do anything because hey that one black person is, is successful so you don't have to do anything anymore or you could feel threatened and kind of like what you were saying say that oh that person is bougie acting mm -hmm. white um thinks that they're better than everyone else um and or cheated in mm -hmm. your case so it's like there's two ways you can act when you're uncomfortable in order to for you to feel pe at peace with yourself mm -hmm. so yeah that's no, that's really interesting, and I think you said that um, we've been talking before. I think you said uh, Raven Simone took that almost that uh, that that Cinderella story case where she said like I'm rich now, so racism's not yeah, real. Yeah, a lot of times, like <laughs> like when you see a successful black person, not all successful black people, but I like they, this conversation. Go on. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> when you see, you think that oh, because you did it, anyone can do it, and you don't realize that. There are so many different circumstances for everyone's success. And the more of a minority you are, whether people want to admit that or not, the least amount of opportunities you have to equivocate that level mm -hmm. of success. Well, yeah. No, the interesting thing is that Evan and I have talked about this, that like it's, it's exceptionalism to an mm -hmm. extent, obviously, because it's not the norm or anything. And also those people who have achieved that, if you, I don't know, we can name a hundred black people who are, you know, uh, have reached a certain level they want to protect their legacy so yeah. they like to believe that yeah. it is all hard work yeah. and it is but like it's not available to everyone it's this, it's this weird thing where it goes back and forth yeah and it's like there, of course there's going to be those Cinderella stories but that's exactly what they are they're like Cinderella stories mm -hmm. um, like there, there's not going to be a Jada Pinkett Smith in every case mm -hmm. where she grew up in like inner city Baltimore to now being like a superstar. So like there's not there's it doesn't happen for everyone. So like when you see that it's like a double edged sword. It's like, wow, I can be that or well, wow, like you have no reason to be the way you are. It's like you have no there's nothing holding you back because that one person did it in a sea of people who are like not in a position to ever get there. Uh -huh. So it's it's tough. And people need to realize that um, we need to as like a community like reach out and make sure that everyone is given at least the same opportunities we're not asking for handouts mm -hmm. we're not asking for hey like you want like a 4.0 in, in a in a ivy league school black child like come on this way like <laughs> it's like here here's a scholarship if you have the grades 
or if you have the ambition to reach where you need to reach, mm -hmm. this money is yours. And now you can come through, mm -hmm. like basically. You know what I mean? So all this like, I can go on and on. But, like, <laughs> no, this is great. This is no, great. Yeah, yeah. It. But it's just like when I hear people say like, oh, you know, like the like the whole Abby What's her name? Abby, oh, Abby, Abby Fisher. Abby yeah, Fisher. Abby Fisher. Um, situation where she was just like, oh, it's it's reverse racism because of racial discrimination. And um, I keep using the quote I keep hearing. It's like when you're in a place of privilege, um, what is it? Uh, opportunity um, for others seems like oppression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For yeah. yeah. Or something like that. So it's like all these people who actually had higher grades than Abby. Yeah. <laughs> um, who got in and she still wants to make the argument that like, oh, um, affirmative action is racist when in turn, actually white women benefit more yeah, so yeah. from affirmative mm -hmm. action than any other minority group ever. Yeah. Alan, it's been a pleasure, uh, more than a pleasure to have you here, uh, listen to your stories and everything, you know, you have a lot of crazy experiences. What I wanted, uh, I, was, I was hoping you could do is, to everybody that wants, you know, to get into journalism, to get into, you know, social media, do what you do, you know, what advice would you have to give them? Um, my advice would definitely, which is what I wish I would have known before, is don't be afraid to take risks. Um, my first day of journalism school, we all sat in a room and we had <laughs> our teacher tell a professor tell us that one, if you're in here for money, get the hell out. And two, <laughs> um, if you look to your left or right, one of you guys will not be working in your field. And that was just like literally the first breath, the first lecture I ever stepped foot in in college. And that's what was told to me. Um, but that kind of like pushed me to develop a drive and not be afraid to take to take risks so like when I went out of college part of me was like oh my gosh like I'm not going to get the job I want I'm not going to be able to work in my industry I'm or if I do I'm going to be making like chump change so I went and took like a marketing job which was not in my industry and I hated it I was miserable um I was in a very like dark place I was doing something I did not want to do and like it started to show in my work and I realized that that's not where I was really supposed to be. And I had an opportunity to actually jump right into journalism right out of college, but I didn't give it my all because I was afraid that the pay wouldn't be high enough. And then um, I talked to one of my friends, my colleagues, who is basically who is basically a professional intern, like right out of college, she was like an intern for two years and would be an internship after internship without a full time job. And um I spoke to her and I'm like, why do you keep doing internships? Like, why do you keep like wasting your time? And she kept saying, because I know it's going to get me to where I want to be. And I know I'm not making money right now, but I will. And sure enough, she just got a job at ESPN and she's on TV right now. Let's go. <laughs> so like that, ins she inspired me so much. And I just started to apply to journalism jobs. I, my first like journalism job post-marketing was like an online internship that I literally was just finding articles and posting it on a website that nobody watched and was literally almost 
it was basically copy and paste, except we had permission to paste the, the story. So it was like aggregation and it was like really boring. And I was working at home, but it was a lot of hours and I had to jump on and I only got paid like like five hundred dollars at the end of the whole thing for my, the whole summer. And um, I just kind of applied to Business Insider on a whim, thinking, you know, I'm not going to probably get this job. Um, I'm not experienced enough, but I'm just going to take the risk and do it. And then I went through the whole process and I'm like, wait, I think I might actually have the job. I'm going to actually be a full time journalist. And then after that three month internship, they got hit me with. Let me tell you about our six month internship program. <laughs> so I'm like, are you kidding me? Like all of this work, all of my like sweat and like tears to try to get this full time job. And they just want to give me an internship. And I was like, should I even take it? Like I'm going to be an intern forever. Like, I don't know if I should do this. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me just stick with this learn and then maybe they'll hire me full time maybe i'll work somewhere else i didn't know what i was going to be in six months i didn't i went in um i had still had a lease on my old apartment for my old job um that i was still paying off with an intern salary and i literally was broke as shit <laughs> living back in my bedroom um in my tiny apartment with my parents um so i did all of this and then right i think the um Two weeks before my internship was ending, me and another intern had started at the same time and he had gotten hired first. So I thought that that was my spot and that he had gotten hired and I didn't. So then I was just like had a breakdown like, oh, my gosh, I'm really not going to get hired. It's like my internship's over in a week. I'm going to have no job, nothing. And I just kind of kept pushing. And then sure enough, like right before my internship was over, I got offered a full time position. So it's like even if you think you're, what you're doing right now isn't worth it or it's not going to get you anywhere or you're even working in a position where you think that like like I did not want to end up like this. Sure enough, you're probably in the right position because you're working and you're not passing. Don't put your nose up to opportunities like oh, I'm too good for this or I'm too good for that. Like hustle you have to hustle you have to work your market um if you want to get into broadcast you might have to go all the way out to north dakota and work um in middle of nowhere covering stories about like the latest calf to be born to a farm you might have to um and if that because that's how that industry works if you're in like multimedia you might need to do um a whole bunch of other things basically if you're in different industries you might have to do things you don't want to do you could be writing for like a low, hyper local city that nobody cares about um but those are resources you're building a portfolio and your future employer will see that you're a hard worker and you're not afraid to get your hands um dirty um but yeah in addition to that um as a journalist it's always good and and any career anyway like as a millennial um, a lot of people are getting into having like side hustles and like side things right now. Like for me personally, I have my own YouTube channel where I like talk about crazy th stuff that's happening in the world and um, my hair, I guess. Great hair. Reason. Lovely hair. Thank you. I noticed. <laughs> um, um, you can follow, you can subscribe to me at Isola. That's E-S-O-U-L-A on YouTube. Um, I recently poured a hundred layers of coconut oil on my hair and I got about 50,000 views. So that's fun. Champion. <laughs> um, um, and in addition to that, I also, um, have just launched a video editing service where I help other people kind of 
put together their own like visual portfolios, whether it be like for like a, a resume reel or like their own YouTube brands or even their own websites. So if you're interested in um, my editing services, because mm-hmm. I do that for a living, um, you can email me at alana.yzola at gmail.com and my media company is called Mine Media. So Sweet. This will all Dope. be under the link for the SoundCloud and iTunes. 100%. So. Thank you. It's Alana Izola, everybody. Crazy. Um, yeah, so this is another episode of Unsolicited Advice. I want to thank again Alana and uh, Evan for joining us today. Um, and we out. Peace.